0: to everyone around the world and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mal Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time or your truth journey brought you here, welcome home. And you have to listen to tonight's full interview. So if you don't have access, go get it now. Just click on subscribe and enjoy hundreds of hours every single interview we have ever done. Stop waiting. Get the truth. And I'm sure you want to give your life an upgrade. So head on over to sanitasradio.com and listen to what we have to offer there. I'm telling you, my life has been upgraded, and so can yours. And if you want to get in touch with me, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or just want to offer feedback, I welcome your comments. Just go to our website, At VeritasRadio.com. And tonight we discuss the unholy feminine, new feminism, and the satanic epi eugenics agenda. Tonight's special guest has a disclaimer for all of you. Nothing in this interview is new or uniquely his information. As the old saying goes, there is nothing new under the sun. This means that truth is objective and eternal reality remains reality regardless of whether or not it is recognized and accepted as such. All he can do is present the information in a personalized framework with his particular style applied. Now if you're easily offended I want you to stop this audio now. His presentation style is often extremely intense and at times even combative. He doesn't sugarcoat his words or his delivery Some of you may likely become upset or angered by some things you will hear him say tonight. So be it. Truth itself, by its very nature, is belligerent, because it wages war against all forms of deception and mind control. He does not present his information to be liked, to be popular, to make money or to make friends. He speaks publicly only because he recognizes that, in a time of such overwhelming ignorance and deception, the fact that he understands such information regarding what is taking place in our world places him in a position of moral obligation to communicate it to others in an attempt to help them to understand it as well and to encourage them to do something about it. Tonight's special guest is none other than Mark Passio, an independent researcher, public speaker, radio talk show host, conference organizer, freedom activist, musician, and a very requested guest on this very program, Veritas. And we have a more comprehensive bio on our website. His website is whatonearthishappening.com. From Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, where I was a few days ago during the Free Your Mind conference, I would like to welcome our friend, Mark Passio. Hello, Mark, and welcome back to Veritas.
1: Mel, it's an absolute pleasure to be back on Veritas Radio. Thank you so much for inviting me back. Always, always my
0: pleasure. And Mark, I have to tell you, I was in Pennsylvania a few days ago. I watched your presentation. And as I said, one thing is to listen to you on the radio, but another is to actually watch you in person. I mean, you you really give your heart when you speak the truth. And as you know, Veritas means truth. So we are keen right here. This new material that you discussed a few days ago, what prompted you? Because I have been observing this trend in the back of my mind. Something is very wrong, but I wasn't able to utter the words. And you, boom, you put it all into one presentation. What is new under the sun here?
1: Well, I really appreciate that, Mel. I'm glad that the the uh, presentation that I gave at Free Your Mind 4 uh, came across and was received well by many people. Um, this is, as you said, uh, a trend, a societal trend that uh, many people who are uh, aware of it have been noticing going on for decades, uh, for uh, a number of years, and it is an agenda. It is a deliberately constructed occult agenda, if you get down to it and go down deep into the rabbit hole and really discover the types of social engineers and occultists who are uh, propagating this uh, eugenics agenda throughout society. And uh, what the presentation that I gave was actually on was the Neo-Feminism Agenda. The um, the full title of the presentation was The Unholy Feminine, Neo-Feminism and the Satanic Epi-Eugenics Agenda. Now that's a mouthful, uh, but if you really uh, break down each part of uh, what uh, the title consisted of there, we're talking about the unholy feminine energy. In the world, we're talking about um, not just females, but we're talking about um, this dynamic of ultimately uh, wanting to manipulate, wanting to control covertly. That's the unholy feminine dynamic. And neo-feminism is uh, a propagation of this uh, dark energy throughout our society. And again, I uh, first had to make the distinction and set a bunch of definitions in this presentation to help people understand what we're really talking about here. I'm not talking about classical feminism. Um, Classical feminism is just the idea that um, there should be equality for both genders in our natural rights as human beings. Uh, under natural law uh that uh you know w- the the rights uh and behaviors and acts that one person can do and conduct in the world should be the same for all, and the things that are harmful that cause harm to other people both genders should not participate in and do to other sentient beings it's a very it's a very simple concept uh true equality under natural law, under moral law, and under human rights. There's nothing really complicated about it. Classical feminism also put forward uh, the uh, very simple notion that, you know, people, all people, if they're doing the same work, they should receive, re- receive the same pay for the same work that they do. And there shouldn't be any um, control system based on gender, such as a patriarchy, men controlling women, or a matriarchy, women controlling men. These are illegitimate concepts because they're based on control and coercion, and, uh, there shouldn't be either type of imbalance in society. Instead, uh, classical feminism, uh, kind of postulated that there should be cooperation and a familial bond between the genders. And that's how I think. I mean, you, you could consider me a classical feminist, if anything. Uh, but neo feminism, what many people called second and third wave feminism, Um, has postulated very, very different radical notions uh, that are widely uh, askew from classical feminism. Uh, These uh, promote additional so-called rights and privileges for women over men. And often attempt to equate the genders in all aspects, not just rights. In other words, in characteristics, qualities, uh, and even uh, abilities. Which, you know, we're all different. You know, we're, we're not all the same. You know, some people have uh, different proclivities and uh, different personality traits and characteristics. And some people are better at some things than others. And there are differences in the genders physically uh, and even emotionally. And these differences aren't. They shouldn't try to be r- wiped out of society, they should be celebrated and, you know, uh, we, we should all understand how the, the, the genders are different and unique. And, you know, those, uh, those aspects should be, uh, should be, uh, celebrated in society. Well, neo-feminism, uh, th- wants to destroy those distinct, that distinctiveness between the genders. They wants to kind of bring it together, homogenize it, androgenize it. And it also kind of thinks that, um, there should be a, um, skewed role in, uh, power. There shouldn't be cooperation between the genders, but they often, uh, advocate for a matriarchal society, one in which women should be, you know, the decision makers and the movers and shakers of the society and should be in so-called control over men. Uh, this is the, these are the overall overarching characteristics of neo-feminism, but there's a very, deeper occult agenda that goes hand in hand with neo-feminism and it has to do with what characteristics get bred into society through uh you know uh human sexual interaction and procreation and this is what I call, this whole topic is what I call the elephant in the room. Uh, this eugenics agenda is, uh, you know, something that has been staring humanity in the face for a number of decades. But many people don't want to acknowledge it or look at it because it involves very uncomfortable truths regarding social engineering in general and the groups of people who are steering Human perception uh, through through the social engineering that they are doing, and a lot of people just don 't want to come to the acceptance of the fact that there is a small privileged elitist class of human beings in our society that almost consider themselves gods they consider themselves people who have the the, the divine right somehow to direct human society and decide ultimately who lives and who dies. That's what they really want to do. They want to be like gods that that gets to determine, you know, uh, not only everything that happens, they want to be all knowing and all powerful, but they ultimately want to uh, dictate who is allowed to procreate and who is not allowed to procreate. And uh, this uh, agenda has been ongoing for a number of years, decades even. Uh, Some people would say it's been ongoing for centuries. And it is um, something that uh, uh, is very controversial. People don't don't want to look at it because it involves facing uncomfortable truths. And that's what the word controversial means. I kind of outlined this in the presentation. Um, the word controversial. When when you say, "Well, he's going to talk about some controversial topics today," you know, neo-feminism and eugenics. Okay, and how this is a satanic agenda, even. Well, what does the word controversial really mean? It comes from Latin. And if you break down the word controversial, it comes from two Latin words. The word contra, the first part of controversial means face to face, directly up against, facing toward. Okay. And then the, the second par- part of the word controversial is the Latin verb versare. Versial comes from versare and versare is a Latin verb meaning to change or to alter. Okay, so if you put them together, it's face-to-face and change. So literally, the word controversial means confronting change. It doesn't just mean something that people don't want to hear or it might be you know, something that, oh, uh, it's not what the, the status quo might want people to consider. It's something that's different and unique in that regard. It literally means that it's difficult for people to even consider because it involves themselves coming face to face with changing and many people are resistant to change because change means, real change means you have to think differently and then you you have to behave differently. You have to possibly acknowledge that what your previous conceptions and your previous perceptions were may have been incorrect, may have even been manipulated and engineered by someone else. And then you have to do the work to admit that you were wrong and then to change not only your thoughts, but to ultimately change your behavior regarding those perceptions. That's one of the most difficult pieces of work for any human being to ever do because it's internal work. It's work upon the deep aspects of the self, the psyche and the, the the human emotions. And a lot of people are uncomfortable with doing that kind of work. But you know, I couldn't, in all good conscience, not talk about this topic. I've known about this topic, Mel, I'd say since I was in my late teen years. I've noticed this trend. So that's how long I've actually sat on this knowledge and information. I, I didn't actually formalize it until recently and put it into a formal presentation style until just recently at the Free Your Mind 4 conference just outside of Philadelphia uh, this past April. But, um, you know, I finally did that and I think, you know... Uh, putting together a large outline and then building this slide presentation was one of the best ways of uh, putting this information out there in a coherent style so that people can understand all the different aspects to it and start studying it for themselves. So I just want to say that, you know, a few things as a caveat. I I would not be willing to alienate so many potential listeners of, of my information. I mean, we're talking about. I'm talking about a topic that largely affects women here, and women are largely manipulated by these topics. So, you know, to talk about this could potentially insult and alienate women. Uh, you know, I say potentially because if you're really hearing what I'm saying, there's nothing anti-woman in it. What's going on is an agenda that's anti-human. And I'm trying to make women aware that they're being manipulated and the things that they are being made to, the behaviors that they are being made to conduct as a result of this manipulation is not only bad for men, it's bad for them too. It's bad for all human beings in the long term. So I want to say I'm, I'm the furthest thing from a woman hater. I'm not a misogynist. I love women. I, 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 you know, absolutely want women to thrive in this world. I want them to have all the rights that all human beings should have and should express. And, um, you know, I don't have hatred in my heart toward them. Uh, I see the modern woman in general as being conditioned and manipulated in many ways by well, this let's occult go,
0: agenda. Yes. If we can, let's go step by step because sure. what you're saying is resonating a lot with me. And just a couple of examples. I remember back in 1988, for example, 87, when I used to be in the corporate world, I remember this is the first time when I realized that something is happening. Something is changing. I was looking through a glass door and a beautiful woman walked by I simply looked at her as she walked by. Well, I got pushed towards the glass. I almost broke it by another woman who said, don't look at women like that. And I was not even looking at that that woman in a a dirty manner. I was uh, admiring what I saw. And then years later, I'm a person who I consider myself a gentleman. I like to open doors to men and women. And a lot of times when I open doors for women, A lot of times they say, no, thank you, I can do it myself, almost as if they take it as if I'm trying to to, to make myself better for doing so. And when you use the word eugenics within the context of tonight's presentation, are you saying that because of this new trend of homogenizing both sexes into one, this will eventually, or could potentially, reduce the birth rate to the point of extension?
1: I would say, Mel, it already has reduced the human birth rate, and it's reducing it further and further, especially in certain westernized countries, which I could talk about a little bit later uh during the interview but um ultimately, it is not just for population reduction that's something that people have to understand about eugenics um eugenics the goal of eugenesis is uh population reduction is one of their goals most certainly but it is not the only goal of eugenics uh and we could define exactly what eugenics is in a moment but i just want to uh talk about this point briefly uh eugenics uh one of its main goals is um breeding certain desired characteristics and traits into the human population while simultaneously breeding other characteristics and traits that are considered undesirable to the social engineer or eugenicist out of the human gene pool out of the human society so that's what the long-term goal of the neo-feminism eugenics agenda is it is to uh steer and manipulate the perceptions of women regarding what characteristics in males they deem and find and perceive as attractive so that when they choose potential mating partners, uh, they are going to um, breed into society um, a whole different set of traits and characteristics uh, that are um, amenable ...to the desires and goals of the current entrenched ruling class, as opposed to breeding with people who would be uh, possessive of characteristics that the so-called ruling class or the elite of today find uh, dangerous and do not want to see propagated and do not want to see expanded uh, in uh, all of human society. So that's ultimately what we're talking about here. We're talking about a program of selective breeding... That is manipulated, and that 's why i don 't call it eugenics. I call it epi eugenics we 're going beyond classical methods of eugenics methodologies which have been forced sterilization, you know using war to reduce the population, et etc abortion we 're talking direct physical methods usually uh used to d- reduce population now we 're in an epi eugenics world we 're in a world where they 're doing it through biological means. They're doing it through chemical additives in food, water, and air. They're doing it through social engineering or mind control means. We're talking about mind control that is being done to the target population to get them to actually reduce their own numbers, but moreover to... Get them to weaken themselves, to get them to breed weakening characteristics into their society so that they will never stand up to the state for their rights. That's what the social engineers ultimately want to do. And that's why I call their program one of epi eugenics. And I've even made the distinction in my presentation at Free Your Mind that I don't even consider this personally a eugenics operation. I consider this a dysgenics operation. So let's just j- briefly talk about what eugenics it is, and then I'll explain what I mean by, uh, by dysgenics, okay? And define so- epi also. also. Yes, and epi is just a Greek prefix that means to go beyond. So like an epiphany, you know, you're going beyond your normally held beliefs. You're, you're, you suddenly broke out of a, a shell of consciousness, something that was holding you back from the realization of truth. So you had an epiphany. You went beyond the boundaries of ordinary consciousness and realized something that was truly profound. So to go beyond is, is just what the prefix epi means in Greek. So we're taking classical eugenics and we're going beyond it. So when I say epi-eugenics, I mean uh, a strategy that goes beyond classical eugenics because it's much more insidious and it's much more difficult to detect because it works in the realm of the manipulation of consciousness, not just physical methodologies. So the word eugenics is derived from uh, also Greek terms. It's derived from the Greek adjective eugenase. Eugenase in Greek means it's an adjective meaning well-born or of high breeding, stock okay and that comes from the greek adjective you meaning good eu or uh, epsilon epsilon in greek it means good it means favorable okay and then there's a greek noun genos that this is combined with and that means race or stock Okay, as in a race of human beings. So you combine them. You, it means good, good race, good stock, good characteristics. Uh, you know, it, it's something that is uh, of uh, high, um, uh, high value and strength within society. It doesn't necessarily have to mean that one uh, skin color or something like that is better than another. It means that certain characteristics and traits are are in are infused into this part, this aspect of the population. This subset of the population. So, This is what eugenicists try to do. They try to strengthen a society by breeding into it certain desirable traits and characteristics. Eugenics is a social ideology advocating the promotion of higher rates of sexual reproduction for people with traits and characteristics desired by its proponents and reduced rates of sexual reproduction and or sterilization for those with undesired traits and characteristics. This is what classical eugenics is. This practice could be described as what, what I refer to as a main religious tenet of the ruling class who are Satanists, who are dark occultists. This is one of their main religious tenets of their religion of Satanism and dark occultism and dark Luciferianism. Okay? They believe that um, they have the right It is the natural order for them as the most ruthless of the human uh, society, okay, who uh, they see as the fittest to rule the human herd. That's the natural order in their eyes. They see themselves as an elite class who attained the positions of power that they did because they themselves are genetically superior to everyone else, and they have the right to rule them because of their genetic superiority, okay? So that's what the classical idea of eugenics has been now to understand epigenetics you have to understand that what i mean by epigenetics is a, is a truncation of a term that i coined uh epigenetic eugenics okay now i know that's a mouthful of two pretty big words and could be confusing words unless we really clearly define them but epigenetics is another branch of science, okay? It's and again, this word is also uh derived from ancient languages, Greek and Latin. Again, epim meaning to go beyond further than, past. And the Latin verb genere meaning to make or to create, where we get the word gene from, creation, is the creative aspect, the creative essence. Okay? So epigenetics means to go beyond the genes. It is the part of the human uh aspect that goes beyond genetic coding. So epigenetics is an emerging branch of science that takes human consciousness and the, the mind, the psyche of the human being into consideration regarding biological, psychological, and physiological expressions of human life. Okay, so we're talking about uh, consciousness being able to influence the physical expressions and the psychological expressions of humans and human society. So that's what epigenetics is. This science has demonstrated that human beings actually possess the ability to create adaptive changes to their gene code. Okay, we by thinking different and by altering our consciousness can actually change the expression of our genes. People might think that that's not even possible because of what they've been conditioned to believe about genes controlling human behavior or human characteristics and traits. And this is not true. This is actually long since been disproven by the science of epigenetics. The problem is that when cutting-edge science uh, is is done and is tested and found to be uh, you know, what is, how things really work, older paradigms usually take between 50 and 100 years to die die out in the thinking of a society people latch on to these old expressions and old ways of thinking such as uh, darwinism and genes control everything okay uh, and it's all about the physical matter this newtonian scientific worldview and this darwinian uh, worldview regarding evolution and they hold on to it they latch onto it because it's been what they has been uh, you know propped up in society for so long But this emerging branch of science known as epigenetics is showing us that consciousness precedes genetic expression. And if consciousness can be changed, then human beings can actually fundamentally alter the expressions in their physiology and in their psychology at a fundamental level. And if we understand this science, we realize that we're not the code We're not the actual, just physical matter. We're the authors of that code. We're the authors of the expression of that code, of that, you know, divine code, so to speak, that we call DNA. All right. And that code can actually be rewritten and consciousness change is what can precede the rewriting of that genetic code change and the, all the, uh, behavioral expressions the biological expressions and the societal expressions that go along with the the changing of that code so if this science is grasped by humanity the, um, the amount of positive change that we can bring about in society would be absolutely tremendous the benefits the problem with it is that epigenetics has been understood by the ruling class for Thousands of years. The, these are occultists and they have known real science for tens of thousands of years. Okay. So they know how epigenetics works. And what they are attempting to do now is to manipulate and steer the epigenetic functions of a society, the consciousness of the society, manipulate that consciousness and therefore, um, get the society to conduct a eugenics war upon itself without even being aware that we're doing a calling to ourselves. That's how I I understand that people can hear that and think, Oh, something like that couldn't possibly be done, you know, or that's such a dark thought to think that that's even happening. But that's indeed what this agenda is ultimately all about, the neo-feminism satanic agenda. The occult ruling class long ago discovered how to influence the breeding process within entire societies, within entire populations for the purpose of changing the characteristics of that society to make it easier to control. We're talking about population control through mind control. That's what epigenetic eugenics is, or what I simply have truncated and shortened to eugenics and again i even think that that's not even an accurate enough term to describe what we're talking about here because they're not upbreeding the population they're not breeding good positive strong strengthening characteristics into the society they're breeding weakening characteristics degrading characteristics into the society so i would rather call this program one of epidisgenics. That's my term for what's going on societally through this this program of neo-feminism, uh, population control through mind control. It's epididogenics, meaning that you are using mental manipulation to get a society to destroy itself over a long-term period of time. It, it's a a, a calling, it's, it's, you could call it a program of mind controlled downbreeding. That's what epidisgenics is. Mind controlled downbreeding. You're getting the human herd to actually call itself. Without and having to go to war. That's right. You're waging a covert war in the mind. It's a mind war, a, a psychological war that's being waged against the population. And when you can manipulate their perceptions to a point where you can get them to see it as desirable to downbreed their numbers and see it as, see it as desirable to see sh- strength traits as undesirable. Okay. To see positive, uh strengthening characteristics of men in society, for example, to see those masculine traditional masculine uh, strengths of strength and independence as undesirable, and that 's what we 're seeing conducted. This is the, the mental war that's being conducted against the population. And this isn't just a war against men. This is what women who have bought into the neo feminism agenda have to understand. They are deeply affected by it because ultimately the, the program is one of breeding out strong, Independent men who are willing to stand up to and resist the violence of the state and the control and the enslavement of the state that it is trying to push upon everybody. And when women go along with that agenda to uh, breed out the, the characteristics of strong men who are traditionally the people who will physically stand up to the tyranny of the state, they are going in, putting themselves directly into a position where they're going to be more easily conquered and enslaved as a result of that mental manipulation that they are uh, allowing them to be conducted upon themselves and then uh, putting those uh, behaviors into society uh, uh, in full accordance with the desires of these social engineers that I'm talking about who are Satanists. Without a question In my mind, this is a satanic agenda. And, you know, people have this very erroneous notion, this completely wrong notion about what Satanism is. And I know I talked about it previously on uh, your show, but I'd like to just very briefly a review a little bit about what real Satanism is, as opposed to what people think of as Satanism, what religion might tell people Satanism is, or what they might uh, garner from a Hollywood movie or a TV show about what Satanism and Satanic practices are. Um, when we're talking about what society in general has traditionally thought of as Satanic or uh, uh, involved with Satanism, it is 100% off base and 180 degrees in the wrong direction. Real Satanism is an ancient occult religious belief system that is comprised of um, many different philosophical tenets and interconnected networks of people throughout society who often – and not just often, but in most cases – actually have attained very influential positions of power in our society and in our culture. At its ideological core, Satanism puts forward the notion that true knowledge about anything that's really worth knowing, meaning the knowledge of the self of the human psyche and how it operates and its desires, its motivations, its characteristics. In other words, knowing the self and knowledge of the true workings of the universe, universal laws, natural laws, physical laws, moral laws, should only this body of knowledge, which is the most important thing for people to understand, should only be held by a tiny fraction of people, and the rest of the people should just live as ignorant masses, ignorant hordes, and the tiny fraction of the elite who are in the know should be allowed to control and manipulate all the people who are left in that state of ignorance because they have uh, largely uh, hoarded this knowledge unto themselves, this elite ruling class. You could look at Satanists, you could look at dark occultists in general, Instead of looking at them even as religious people, because that can paint a incorrect notion of what this ideology really is about, don't look at it as even a religion. Look at it as an ancient set of psychological knowledge. These are ancient, ancient psychologists who understand everything there is to know about how the human mind works and how the laws of nature work. And they're hoarding that knowledge to themselves so that they can use it as a power differential over other people who are kept in ignorance of that knowledge. Now, in the modern world, this knowledge is widely available at our fingertips through something known as the internet and we can gain all the knowledge that these people have and have used to manipulate society but uh you know uh, they uh, don't even have to hoard it and violently keep people from trying to acquire it anymore they just use the media to tell you that oh you don't need to know these things these are all just religious beliefs and there's nothing to that it's not a science it's not a real true body of knowledge you know. You know, uh, uh, you don't need to look into that. They dissuade people from looking into it through ridicule. In the modern world, that's the main manipulation tactic to keep people away from it. And also, they have people running on the treadmill, running in the rat wheel, just trying to survive because of the manipulated monetary system. People, you know, are stuck in survival mode, working constantly to try to just squeak by, squeak by, and, you know, make enough money just to survive. So, um, if you have people in that situation uh, of survival based mindset and uh, always fearing what other people think about them, whether they'll be perceived as strange or unusual or crazy for uh, looking into the topics that they might look into, uh, you keep them in fear and you keep them in ignorance as a result. And that that differential in knowledge is always going to create a drastic differential in power. So that's what these Satanists do. They're gaining a power differential by way of manipulating people who remain in ignorance of the hidden knowledge that they have. They are a small minority who are in the know. They want to become God on earth. And uh, people have to understand they don't really, as such, worship an entity known as Satan. Okay. This is uh, what religion and Hollywood kind of put forward to throw people off regarding what true Satanism is. This is just an ideology. It's an ideological way of being in the world that is all about selfishness. I want to control everything. I want to be God. Okay. Ego driven. Consciousness—that's all they're about. You know, they want to be the rulers of of this world. That's it. They want to be in control of everybody else. They don't care about what's right or wrong. They uh, are morally relativistic. If it's good for them, they perceive it as good. It doesn't matter whether it's harmful to anybody else. If they come out on top, they do it. That's that's their ideology. It's a way of acting in the world. It's a way of behavior is what Satanism is. And if you. You know, look at those kind of traits, selfishness, stepping on anybody to get your way, controlling others, you know, wanting to be propped up on a pedestal and and given what you want and treated like a God. How many people in society behave like this? You know, this isn't just the ruling class operating like that. They've given us their mindset and they've manipulated us into their way of thinking in many ways. And that's why Satanism is not just a a religion of the, um, you know, so-called elite classes of society, uh, the ruling class class, but if they've given a very watered-down variant to the masses that keep them in ego-based consciousness so that they're easier to control and they don't see the agenda. They the. I have use to the, yes. I ask you this. Uh-huh. I apologize for interjecting, but I'm thinking, and at the risk of
0: derailing the conversation for just a moment, but I have sure. to ask you, because this, this happened all of a sudden. You've you've heard about all this gender fluidity approach that we've seen in society in the past few weeks, not years, weeks. Sure. And the bathrooms. This is one the three tenth of one percent of the population. That's We're talking right. about this displaying or ninety nine point seven percent of those who are not transgender or transsexual have to now, and I hate to use the term, pay the price. But is this part of this agenda? And I bring this up because recently I talked about soy. And this is, this could be one of those approaches to eugenics. I have a, a, a listener from Australia. He's ethnic Chinese. He grew up in Indonesia. And he wrote this long letter to me the other day explaining how when he grew up, only the Chinese were the ones eating soy foods that were fermented, which are okay. Right. And they were considered Buddhist monk food or monk food. But now let me read this aspect so that people can understand how this is correlated to what you're saying. The public sentiment about soy in Asia is slowly changing starting around the year the 2000s. I suspect this is due to an aggressive advertisement campaign by the Western soy industry. Do you know that soy-based food sales have increased from $300 million in 1992 to $4 billion in 2008? And only at around late 1990s to 2000, we started hearing the benefits, quote-unquote, benefits of soy in Asia. As a result, Asians are eating more and more tofu and drinking more and more soy milk, especially Thailand. Incidentally, Thailand has the biggest transgender culture in the world. World. Wow. We know today that raw soy, such as tofu and soy milk, have testosterone suppressant effects and estrogen-stimulant effect. Raw soy has a feminizing effect on men. I always find it curious how the food industry is promoting raw soy food but never fermented soy. Does it have to do with population reduction agenda together with vaccination and Planned Parenthood? That's Bernard from Australia. I just wanted to add this to our conversation, Mark.
1: This has to do with the effeminization agenda for men, because, again, a strong masculine characteristic trait throughout society in men is going to create a uh, a society that is resistant to tyranny. When, When men will stand up for themselves and their rights and also protect people who may be physically uh less uh, strong uh than themselves as far as you know actual musculoskeletal uh strength goes uh they uh you know uh uh they will stand up to uh the state they will stand up to tyranny uh what they want the weakening of male traditional masculine characteristics in society and that's why they not only want to do these things through chemical means and means through food uh but they uh, and water uh, and air but they also want this done through the the total manipulation of what women consider attractive they they want women to be thinking that Strong masculine characteristics are toxic or undesirable. They want them thinking that the effeminized man is desirable, that the metrosexual type man is desirable, uh, who is, you know, uh, n- will never get angry, will, will never, uh, show, you know, um, aggressive tendencies or emotions. Um, you know, like you said, like <laughs> traditional things like Open simply as a sign of respect. You know, opening up a door for someone. You know, if you're in front of them and you don't want the door to swing back on them. You know, holding a door for somebody—it's seen as almost an insult instead of something that is respectful in today's society. You know, oh, you look at a woman to uh, appreciate—you know—how she looks, her her physical characteristics and attributes, which men have traditionally loved and been attracted to for countless, countless—you know—centuries uh and now all of a sudden that's somehow offensive or that's some something that has to be looked uh you know uh as uh unfavorable or frowned upon yes exactly so this is the k- kind of manipulation that we're seeing you know and uh the reason that uh, the ultimate reason that they are that they do this to women is because they know that women have the ability to influence whole societal trends they are the people who are really ultimately followed in society. I mean, you, you know, people will think of men as being leaders and having leadership ca- characteristics and qualities in many ways, but, um, often men are, do the things that they do to, uh, garner a woman's favor. They want <laughs> right. uh, a woman's attention. So women have the ability to influence men in society. And since they have that ability to influence the behavior of men, a lot of men will adjust their attitudes and their behaviors to garner the favor of women, to adjust it to their likes and preferences. Look at retail stores. They're mostly catered to women. That's right. I mean, almost all the whole corporate uh, advertising world caters more to women. They know that they're going to be the people who are influencing the buying trends in, in a family unit you know, so if the ruling class can influence the minds of women, they understand that the whole society is going to follow where the women go. They understand that, you know, the men and the children are going to follow suit. So, um, you know, not only do women set societal trends, they set the biological trends. They set the actual procreative trends in society. They're the people who are Uh, ultimately going to decide what characteristics get bred into the next generations of humanity because they control at a biological level the procreation process by way of their selection of the males with whom they are going to reproduce i mean you know women choose the mates that they want to reproduce with and they're choosing certain characteristics okay among the potential mates that they can choose from and then they're more likely than not going to breed into their progeny characteristics and traits that they perceived as attractive in their mating partner. And it's going to get carried down to the next generation and refined in those generations. So women are ultimately the ones who decide with long-term over many generations, which traits and characteristics get passed down in human society. And that's why the social engineers work harder to manipulate women than they do men. So ultimately what this is all about is what characteristics do people find attractive and why? You know, people often never even think, Mel, why do we find the things in other people attractive that we find attractive in them? You know, is this just Uh, something that's innate? Is it innately within us, these likes and preferences? Or many of these so-called likes and preferences, not even our own, are they socially engineered? Have they been programmed into us from an early age? And I would say that there may, may be many that are are innate and that we just, you know, develop over time and act upon. But I would say a good portion of them in today's world are socially engineered and manipulated and programmed into our culture the, through the media, through advertising, through television, through pop culture, through music, you know, um, through movies. Um, it's amazing how much you can steer an entire society through media of all kinds so, uh, we have to just kind of step out of our comfort zone and even just consider the possibility, which is quite disturbing to think that maybe, uh, some of the things that we find attractive in other people, that that, uh, that attraction may have been pre-programmed in us. It may not be our own, you know, the, our likes and preferences may not actually be our own. Uh, and that's a very disturbing thought for most people to entertain because they want to think, oh, I'm making these decisions. Uh, I'm in full control of my faculties and my likes and dislikes and preferences. And that may not be the case. We have to look a little bit further and deeper and say, you know, is this, tra- this attraction a natural instinctual dynamic or can a good portion of it be cultural programming? So long term, what this agenda is about, again, is getting women to no longer be attractive, attracted to the qualities of what I refer to as an authentic man. That's the long-term goal of this neo-feminism eugenics agenda. Uh and let's just look at some of these characteristics. We're talking about high holistic intelligence, meaning that not only are they uh what I consider uh, an authentic or genuine man of with manly qualities, someone who is uh logically gifted uh, or, you know, intellectually gifted, but they also have the sacred feminine active within them. Okay, again, we're not talking about gender when we're talking about the, the sacred masculine and sacred feminine qualities of the consciousness. You know, the sacred masculine is the logical, scientific, you know, uh, uh, ordered and very uh, linear type of thinking. And then the sacred feminine is the creative side. Ying yang. side. That's right, exactly. You know, we're talking about characteristics that should be in balance in all people of all genders you know uh, men and women should both have these masculine and feminine consciousness characteristics within them and uh, that's what i call high holistic intelligence that's a quality that is part of the authentic human being Uh, the authentic man has strong what we would consider masculine features so they don't look feminine in their physical characteristics and traits they look masculine uh, you know, facial hair, uh, you know, strong facial features, uh, f- strong musculoskeletal system, and you know, just a, a a a body that is distinctly non-feminine. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. I mean, if you just look at the physical characteristic differences between men and women and it should be very self-evident and obvious but um you know they they're trying to blur these lines clearly i i say that a true man has high true self-esteem and true confidence uh and this is different than um you know uh perceived confidence or um uh playing the game uh, to women, okay, we're talking about real confidence, we're talking about genuinely loving yourself genuinely being comfortable in your own skin that's not something that a lot of uh, conditioned women want uh, a lot of them will run away from a man with true high confidence and high self esteem and many of them will want what I call the doormat uh, the, the, the person who, you know, doesn't have that high confidence and self esteem because they want to be able to control them um and some of them would just want the appearance of confidence but when true confidence is displayed they get off put by it and are often you know uh turned away uh, another uh male characteristic i would uh say is not being afraid to speak your mind uh, especially if someone else is wrong and you know you're right um again uh, as you said in the caveat for this interview uh, I don't sugarcoat my words. If I know something is going on, I know it to be the case, I'm going to speak it. And if somebody else gets offended by it, so be it. That's, you know, it's my right to speak and they have the right to get offended, Uh, but they don't have a right to stop me from speaking the truth. So uh being vocally opinionated, I think, is a very masculine, true, authentic male characteristic as it is with a, a true woman. An, a, an authentic woman should also have that quality within herself. Independence. You know, not wanting to be dependent on other people, wanting to take care of yourself and and, you know, uh, provide what you need to uh, provide for yourself, not wanting to be dependent on the state. Another very masculine characteristic, a rebellious attitude toward authority, getting angry at injustice, getting angry at the iniquities that are taking place in our world, you know, never wanting to bow down to authority. Placing very high value on individual freedom. See, these are the qualities and characteristics of a real man. Uh, what I would consider the authentic man in our society. And very sadly, these traits, um, are slowly being bred out, but they're being done, that's being done because they're conditioning most women to see these traits as not only undesirable but dangerous, and they do that because the social engineers who are controlling society they see these soci- these traits as dangerous. see th- these characteristics of h- high self esteem uh, speaking the truth, high intelligence, uh, you know just m- masculine strength, independence, rebellion against authority that 's dangerous to the ro- goals of the ruling class. the ruling class doesn 't want those things. They want weakened men. They want men who don't know what's going on. They want men who won't speak out. They want men who are effeminate and weak and are not going to stand up to tyranny when the time is necessary to do that. They don't want a rebellious attitude against their authority. They want a, a, a wet rag who's going to lay down when commanded to lay down. That's what they want. So they're trying to get women to want that. You know, that's what that's what this agenda is all about, Uh about You know, breeding out the authentic man and breeding in the inauthentic man. See, I consider that there's two kinds of inauthentic men and women. You see, society's traditionally looked at gender roles as you have the alpha male and the beta male and the alpha woman and the beta woman. OK, and, you know, while this is a very oversimplification of, you know, types of gender ca- categorizations, these are just gender generalizations, I think they generally work to explain what I call the inauthentic human beings, the inauthentic man and the inauthentic woman all fit into these categories. The traditional gender roles are all inauthentic. OK, we're talking about if we start with just uh the the. um. The alpha male, right? The traditional considered societal alpha male. What are some of his characteristics, right? He's sort of a, um, a dominator type. He's sort of like, you know, he wants to be in control all the time. He wants the woman to be placate, to, to placate his desires and to serve him. Okay. So th- this is the, uh, controlling, Male dominator type. Okay. The male dominator type and th- the traditional, uh, female is often socially conditioned to kind of want that type or to want the beta male. So we're talking about the traditional considered alpha male and i put alpha and male in quotation marks when i'm talking about these terms because i don't consider them the authentic alpha male or even a true male period they're the inauthentic male um but they are the the, this type of male is conditioned to desire the Similar controlling female or to want to gravitate to and control the beta female, the one that wants to be controlled, that wants to be, uh, under the thumb of the, the dominator type alpha male. So then you have the beta male. This is the opposite of the, the traditional societal gender role of the alpha male. The traditional beta male has always been, uh, one who is it will submit to the dominator type female, you know, the the controlling type female that, you know, kind of wants a man to be at her beck and call and to uh, you know, do what, you know, she wants. She wants to wear the pants in the family, so to speak, the the uh so called alpha female. And she might gravitate toward, you know, an even more domineering alpha male. In the traditional sense, quote unquote, alpha and quote unquote, male. Or she might gravitate toward the beta male that wants to be controlled by her. And she might see both of those things as, you know, uh, desirable. So that's the alpha female, you know, this domineering type woman, dominator type, uh, female. Um, and she's conditioned to gravitate to the, uh, either the traditional alpha male or the traditional beta male. The beta female always conditioned to want to gravitate toward the dominator type alpha male. Now, when we're talking about all of these four quadrants of, you know, traditional gender roles in our society, I consider them all the fake human being, the inauthentic human being. Because what do all of those social interactions between male and female have in common? They have one ultimate thing in common, that the interaction is based on one thing, control. One gender is trying to control the other gender. If it's the traditional alpha male trying to control the traditional beta female, if it's the traditional alpha female trying to con- control the traditional beta male, okay? Control is involved, the control game, okay? Okay? the manipulation and control aspect of interpersonal relationships, which is what is breaking down the bonds between men and women and weakening our society, all wanting to be in control of each other, instead of wanting to cooperate and rise above the things that are weakening us and waging war against us societally. The actual authentic Human being, the authentic woman and the authentic man have the same characteristics in that they are both independent, freedom minded, they are free of social engineering mind control conditioning, and they do not play the control game with each other. The traditional, I mean, I'm sorry, the authentic, true, spiritual, alpha male does not want to control women nor does he want to be controlled by them. The true, genuine, authentic, spiritual alpha female does not want to control a man, nor does she want to accept being controlled by him. The authentic human being, the authentic male and the authentic female do not play the control game. They are free of that mind control and they don't want to control or be controlled. They want a world that's based in freedom and they want a relationship dynamic that is based in freedom. So that's you know what the social engineers don't want. They want anything but that because once people interact on that kind of a level, their control system is done for. Because the familial bonds and the strength of a society that will manifest and result as a result of those kinds of interactions between those kinds of authentic human beings uh, will absolutely destroy the, the the control agenda that's being implemented by these social engineers in a very short order of time. So uh, what we can begin to look at, it, if you want, is some of the uh, methodologies that... Um, these social engineers are pushing on to women. Again, um, in my presentation at Free Your Mind, I worded this whole uh, section as um, the war against the goddess, all the techniques that are combined in a multifaceted attack, a social engineering attack to um, manipulate what women think, manipulate what they want you know, what they are socially conditioned to want and ultimately to manipulate what they want to be in society. And then um, we can look at the effects that that's having long-term on human society. Let me mention this because as it is
0: right now, we have 50-50, 50 male, 50 female. Yes. Divide and conquer. Everybody has heard that. Yes. But when we hear that they're trying to separate this what I see is a reduction, eventually a reduction of birth rate to end, to feminize the man, if the man wants to rise up, because there's a tyrannical government taking place, the woman's going to say, you know what, you need to stop it, you're crazy, that's not the way a man should behave. And slowly, generation after generation, they'll believe that, and then pretty soon everybody's going to turn into a doormat, and as you say, control. The question is, who's doing this behind the scenes, and for what purpose?
1: Well, these people are, I call them human farmers. I mean, that's really what this is. I mean, if you look at a farm and how, you know, a, farmer, a plantation. Yeah, a plantation. What How people, uh, a farmer will want to put certain animals together to breed certain characteristics and traits into that culture of animals. Well, these are huge. The social engineer class are human farmers. They want to. Manipulate the perceptions of people so that the next generation of people have the traits and characteristics that the social engineer human farmers find desirable to their goals. That's who these people ultimately are. And they do this through the manipulation of perception. They don't have to do it physically anymore. Uh, It would be very difficult for them to do it physically uh, at this point in time uh, because there's a far more of the the people that they want to control than there are of them infinitely more and not only that but uh you know people in especially in american culture are still armed to the teeth and uh if they try to do it physically they know it's going to be a long protracted bloody war so they need to do it through consciousness through the manipulation of consciousness so you know um they use a multifaceted approach and we're talking about going starting at an early age um One of the things that, uh, they do is, uh, they want to start manipulating young girls from the time they're very young in age. Uh, and they want to give them this idea that, um, you know, what really ultimately matters is, uh, how they look, you know, not what they think, not whether they know the difference between right and wrong behavior, but, uh, physical appearance only. And using that physical appearance to get what they want, to manipulate and uh steer the desires and perceptions of a man to bend them to their will, uh to want to be pampered, to want to be taken care of all the time, to want to be placated all the time, never to be, you know, told that they're wrong, you know, to just, uh, oh, accept what they, what, what they say. The, the, all of this put together, it's known as princess programming, you know, the, 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 you know, the Cinderella, the, the, the Disney, princess. Yeah. yeah. The Disney princess programming, Barbie programming. Um, we're, we're talking about, um, uh, getting them to value selfishness and only to look at what can be, they can gain through relationships with other people. It's very satanic in nature. Actually, they want to only, you know, interact with men who can provide for them. I asked the question, you know, um why are poor, very poor men or men without, uh, you know, a job situation or men with a very, very low income, almost universally, women will look, frown upon them and look at them as completely undesirable and not want to be around them. Well, because you may be poor does that mean you're immoral does that mean you're a bad person does that mean you're not a strong person does that mean you're not an intelligent person you know uh circumstances and events could have uh, been very unfavorable to someone making money um and you know it doesn't necessarily mean they're a bad human being uh but women will often immediately reject someone that can't quote unquote provide for them they Princess programming involves looking at monetary value as the highest form of value. Just in general, looking at what a man can do for them as the, the highest form of value. Um and it devalues an emphasis on the women woman's own intelligence because they're just always relying on a man to get what they need or want. And you know, that's an unhealthy approach to uh to um male-female interaction and dynamics. So they will often, through this princess programming, uh, devalue their own intelligence and just seek money as their only value system. And uh, another part of it is even thinking like, uh, you know, well, if I'm of this type of uh, uh, attractiveness characteristic or attractiveness bracket, uh, this kind of guy is, isn't is good enough for me. You know, it's, or almost saying like, no man is good enough for me if he's not perfect in every way and can't placate my every whim, Okay, that that's how far this programming often goes, and it's imbr- it's inculcated into very young women, especially in Western culture, from a very 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 early age. And this is uh, dangerous, imbalanced uh, programming uh, put into young women's mind that teach them to basically view people as a resource instead of a human being. Sadly,
0: and by the way, we have to separate both segments. This is a good time to to break him into two, and. When we come back, I want to discuss also the likes that people have. Are they truly our own? Or once again, is this based on... Edward Bernays and his infamous book, Propaganda. And I have to say, at the Free Your Mind conference, I made many, many good friends, many new friends, met a lot of old friends. A lot of the speakers are on my radar. They know you know who you are. If you're listening, you're going to be on the show in the next few weeks. And, folks, this is going to be a great year, especially beginning with Mark Passio today. Mark, how can people learn more about your work?
1: My main website that you can visit is whatonearthishappening.com. There's a tremendous body of knowledge posted at that website in the form of videos and in the form of audio an audio podcast series that currently consists of about 195 episodes, you can uh, go to whatonearthishappening.com. You can check out the video section or the podcast section. I always recommend listening to the entirety of the podcast in order because it is a unveiling. It's a tapestry of sorts that is almost like a mystery school initiation, if you will. And if you take it in order, I think you'll and at your own pace uh, without skipping around. Start from number one and move forward at your own pace. I think you'll gain the maximum value from all of the information in that podcast series. Once again, that's com.
0: And let me read this quote from Gavin Nascimento from your presentation before we take the break. The illiterate of the 21st century will not be those who cannot read or write, but those who cannot unlearn the many lies that they have been conditioned to believe and seek out the hidden knowledge that they have been conditioned to to reject. So, folks, you are unlearning by listening to Mark on Veritas tonight. More when we come back. This is Mel Fabregas, and you're listening to Veritas. Don't go anywhere. Thank you for listening to the first segment of this very important Veritas interview. If you enjoyed it and wish to listen to the rest, go to veritasradio.com, click on members, or subscribe, or tell someone else who will enjoy this and all our radio programs. If you are listening on YouTube, like and subscribe, and share it. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store, where you can purchase pure organic sulfur, earthing and grounding products, supplements, USB drive with all our shows, gift certificates, rebounders, fulvic acid, full body vibration machines, and much more. Now, we'll take a short intermission, listen to some music, and I'll see you in the Veritas member section. Enjoy.